0: This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands.
1: Hello everyone and welcome along to the Liverpool Echoes post-game podcast with me, your host, Patrick Smith, after Liverpool's 3-1 victory over Bournemouth in the Premier League. The first win of the red season and the scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect the swashbuckling, chaotic match that unfolded at Anfield today. Bournemouth took a shock early lead after having their initial opener ruled out by the offside flag and Anton Semenya fired home to stun the Anfield crowd. Worry not though, as the acrobatic Luis Diaz was on hand to equalise before Dominic Sabošla was brought down for a penalty with Mo Salah missing the initial spot kick but volleying home the rebound. Into the second half and I've absolutely no idea how on earth that was given as a red card on Alexis McAllister but I'm sure our brilliant guests will delve much further into this point but I personally just don't see the point in VAR if they can't overturn that. But worry not, even with 10 men, Diogo Jota turned up to slot home and round off the 3-1 victory for the Reds, which we will now bring you plenty of further reaction to with our star-studded show. At first, we have the Liverpool Echoes, Ian Doyle from the Anfield Press Box, followed by Jurgen Klotz' press conference, and then the view from the Kop returns with our fan reactions.
0: The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Hello and
2: welcome to Anfield where Liverpool have started their home campaign in the Premier League with a 3-1 win against Bournemouth. Theo, you were here with me. I mean, pretty eventful game, wasn't it? I mean, we everybody will know exactly what happened so we'll just cut to the main talking point, which is the, uh, the red card for Alexis McAllister which happened over there on the uh, the goal towards the Kop. What was it? 50, 58 minutes? Yes, think, yeah. He went he went into a challenge with Ryan Christie and looked like a foul from where we were and then suddenly the referee, Thomas Bramley, he gets out the red card and it's worth to say from the reaction of the players that are around it the Liverpool players weren't massively convinced and we've since seen a replay we've heard the explanation from VAR from the FA about VAR also the Premier League and we've heard what Jürgen Klopp had to say but what did you actually think of it at the time? I think we all
0: thought in the press box that it was soft I think Anfield thought it was soft like you're expecting the referee to be called over and check a monitor to then have second thoughts and go no cancel it it's only a yellow card Obviously, the, uh, um, the FA come, Premier League have come out and said, "Well, it's a high foot. There's contact. It's not an obvious mistake. We can't have a second look at it. This decision stands." But you think Alexis Mac can feel hard done by there because it's not malicious intent or anything on that? He's not gone in overly hard. Studs are showing a little bit, which can be dangerous, but it's not as though he was out of control. Mm. And if you see a, a three-game ban for it, that seems a little bit excessive. I think Klopp in his press conference is hinting that there could be an appeal. Um, if there is, still you imagine it'll be a one-game bad moment, and that means he'll miss he'll pass away, which would be a, a big miss. Like his energy has been vital in the midfield when it's not flowing perfectly, he's still pressing hard, but it's not really something you want to see from him. Like we saw last year when Darwin Nuno's got the red card for the headbutt against Palace, how much that derailed his early progress. Now, I don't think we're going to see that from McAllister. He's started really well in pre-season, he was promising against A out of um, position, he knows the Premier League. Uh, it's not something you're going to see too often, he's not out of control of it. you just hope, whether it's a one game man, three game man, he's going straight back and that midfield and picking up where he left off, be it end of this month, start or next.
2: Because it was a, as I say, it was probably the main talking point from this game, but just looking very briefly at the game itself, before then, Liverpool at that point had gone 2-1 ahead, they did score that third goal not long after he'd been sent off and uh, the Bournemouth manager said, afterwards, he said that was possibly not the turning point but that made things a lot more difficult. But Liverpool in the first 15 to 15-20 minutes were a bowling, weren't they? I mean they looked all over the place, Bournemouth had a goal disallowed within about a minute or two, yeah. then they did score after the third minute. And he had that weird sight of Allison Becker wandering yeah. out of his goal having to make a foul to, you know, because to, 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 he just, basically forgot where he was almost like and so he gets booked and there's that kind of sense of unease that got transmitted to the crowd as well and it felt as though Anfield it was a little bit like you mentioned the crystal ballast game last year a little bit like deja vu all the way down to you know the, the home one of the home debuts getting um getting sent off but there was, a, there was two other home darters. We'll get to the, the most recent one in a minute, but we'll go start with Dominic Sibusi. Now, I thought at the start he was not much overwhelmed, but he was taken a little bit surprised by the physicality certainly of, of some of the Bournemouth players. But by the end of the game, he'd won the penalty for the for the second goal. He'd... Had the shot that yeah. allowed Diogo Jota to get the third goal, but he was just driving Liverpool forward. He used the ball really well. He then started getting ball plays bouncing off him rather than the other way around, and he could see straight away that the crowd absolutely loved it. Yeah, definitely. Like from how it started, it was
0: a case of here we go again. Like, how many times last season we see Liverpool concede soft goal, goals early on, and they just feel defeated straight away, and there's no way back. But here, it, he lifted the crowd. There was that boost there. There was that optimism there. And Spotify was central to that. I think he had more touches than anyone else, more passes than anyone else, more completed passes, more dribbles. He was just central to everything in that midfield. <laughs> and when you think he was in a two-man midfield, it was a 4-4, four, four, well,
2: one from At one point he was the only midfielder on the only midfield, pitch, midfield, wasn't he, <laughs> when, he actually, when he actually had yeah. the shot for the third but goal.
0: Because he can run. He's got that power. He's got that ability to keep hold of the ball. It didn't feel like Liverpool had 10 men, like they've just said it in the press conferences. Mm. Like you're almost forgetting that you've had a man sent off the McAllister. And you just enjoy watching him play because it's something Liverpool have lacked in the field for so long. Like he's a proper all round number eight. He's got the work rate. He's got the ability on the ball. He can shoot clearly. We might not have seen a goal yet, but mm. it's coming, you feel. And um, just linking up well with his teammates, a very smart footballer, and you just oh. want to see more from him.
2: Also, he assumed that responsibility, didn't he? Because after McAllister goes off, and obviously there's been this hole in the midfield with, with Henderson, John Henderson, Fabinho up and Godan, James going out as well. And you can see why he's already the, the Hungary captain at 22 years of age. He t- kind of took that response but just assumed it himself without anybody mentioning to him he just went right we need to get this sorted now i want to take this on and that's the kind of player that you just mentioned in liverpool probably it's a bit unfair to say that we've lacked it but certainly from the actual players that are there now because there's a lot of midfielders that are young they need someone like that don't they well he's still of these young oh, exactly he's, yeah, he's only 22 yeah. but because he's got that experience and that leadership qualities
0: he can just go right i'm going to grab this game great game by the scruff of the neck you probably expect that for the expectations on his shoulders back in Hungary, like he's been compared to Puskas not in terms of the type of player but that pressure on his shoulders and he just seems to have just been backing that off time after time throughout his career so far that it took a little bit of time I think to make that step up from uh, Salzburg to Leipzig like we saw him here for Salzburg a few years ago now and he wasn't the standout player compared to a Haaland or a Minamino but when they left uh, Salzburg he was a standout player He's got an early injury at six, So you can see the best of him there But in the last two years He's getting goals He's getting assists And you're thinking What a player You're just waiting for that next big move He's got it now And he's grabbing it with both hands So long may it continue Like I was going to say McAllister's suspended He's going to have an even bigger role yeah. To play next
2: week Well someone else Who's clearly going to be playing next week Is going to be Wittar Endo Who uh... It must have been funny for him, in the first half he sat there, what was it, two days ago he wasn't wasn't even a Liverpool player, he wasn't even thinking about it that much, and suddenly sat there on the bench watching this kind of game unfold, and then he must realise when that red card, because he was thinking, oh I'm going to be on here in a second, and you could tell a little bit at the start, he looked a little bit, not overall, but it was difficult for him to get up to pace with it, but in the little bits that we saw, we know quite well he loves a header, absolutely loves a header, and he just gets stuck in and he likes to just patrol kind of in front of that back four and that's what Liverpool are gonna need certainly in the next couple of games but also for the duration of the season because they still haven't got apart from him and I know we saw Stefan Basetic on the bench, they're the only two defensive midfielders Liverpool have got now. One that's eighteen, the other one that's played half an hour. Yeah
0: definitely. It's an interesting one with what Liverpool do now in the transfer window if they're saying you're gonna be our first choice holding midfielder for the rest of the season. Or they go and sign someone else like Pacetic. You don't think he's going to have the pressure put on him as much as he did last year. But it is, at the moment, a fight between those two. And Endo's got the head start, even though he's only just signed club two days ago because he hasn't had this long term injury. Still another experienced captain. And it was a strange one because you're looking at him going into these tough circumstances 10 men against a former side that were physical. There's some big lads in there. He bounced off a couple of them. There are a couple of straight passes. But then when you break it down, what he did, he was doing very well. He was doing exactly what you're said he he was doing that James Milner role go and see this game out, go and make sure we get it over the line I think he won a couple of tackles he certainly had 100% tackle success rate, he was making interceptions as you mentioned, he was winning his headers he was clearing it, it's not pretty, it's no nonsense, but when you're down to 10 min, you've got a two goal lead to protect, that's what you want to see and that's what he is here for, he's that experience who can get it over the line, if that is good enough to start for a whole season, we'll see I'm sure you're like me, you'd rather see a younger profile who's going to be a long-term player, come in and be the number six with him. That, that Claver and Milner sort of player off the bench. But it's going to start next week and that's going to be a big challenge for him, Newcastle
2: away. Just one final thing, quick fight, all I want is yes or no, it's all I want because we haven't got enough time now, but was it a penalty? Yes. Um, did Liverpool deserve to win? Yes. Were Liverpool, did they worry you somewhat in the first half? Yes. Were you impressed with the work rate right from the forwards in the second half? Yes. And I'm looking forward to having no more questions. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Mm-hmm. Hi. Uh, truthfully, towards the end of the second half, I forgot you were down to 10 men. How well do you think the team performed despite
3: being down to 10? Top. That was really good. That was really good. We scored the third goal um, in that situation. We had still our moments. We had still counter attacks. I thought for never ever training or playing in that formation, um, the boys did extremely well. They all fought really hard. Uh, Yes, you cannot. I think the situations that, that Bournemouth had were high balls in a the box, then had a square, bam. That's really difficult to defend because you cannot avoid all on board, especially not with a man down. Um, but I thought we did there really well, um, but of course there was, was the first half as well when we were 11-11, and the start in the, in the game was obviously not um, how we wanted it, and. So conceding a first goal after a minute is not good. But if it's an offside, you think, okay, that's the wake-up call you may maybe may have needed, maybe needed today. Um, and then a minute later we concede another goal. That's obviously, I think, another two minutes later we have a yellow card for our goalie. So uh, it's nothing you need. Um, but we're working with human beings, and it happens. And we will, we will figure out why and try to figure out why. And as you saw in the game, then we were awake. We were. Um, not immediately fluent enough, but that step by step we found a way into the game and played them pretty well, to be honest. Um, and scored the two goals, which was really good. Um, had more chances, could have scored there, um, didn't. Wanted to pick up in the second half there. Yeah, and then after 58 minutes, we were 10 men and it was a big fight, and that's all right, that's fine.
0: I'm sure everyone else is going to ask you about VAR and controversial decisions, but I thought I'd ask you about Luis Diaz, especially after the injury he's come back from. Another really
3: positive performance with him, a standing ovation. How much more can he give? Oh, is fit, I think nobody has, has any doubt has any doubt um, about his quality. It's an exceptional goal he scored, absolute exceptional goal. Um, top very good in a very good shape, but the second half was really tough for him as well. So, like, um, being <laughs> part of this new midfield, um, that was really hard. That was really hard for him. We could see that. But besides that, um, as long as he was fresh and everything, he was obviously super, super um, a massive threat for, for everybody. So, he's in a good moment, no doubt about it. Thank you. Welcome. Rico. The
2: penalty, sorry, the sending off,
3: yeah, I saw it back, obviously, so I think the amount of times I got now asked about it shows already that um, it's worth discussing it again, which we will probably do. Um, I saw it back now after in the game. I couldn't. I asked. I asked Maka and said I touched him, but not really. Okay. Good. then we, that was all he told me, and then um, after game I saw it now back, and I think if you go have a list of points, what we need to give a red card, I think the majority, besides contact, nothing else is actually on, uh, no other box is ticked in that moment, so it's a decision, I think we all agree, if he gives a yellow card, the VR would not overturn it, and I gave a red card, and the VR is not overturning it because the contact means there's no clear and obvious, blah, blah, blah. Um, mistake, um, and, you know, but now I think we are or the, the, the punishment, like 40 minutes with, with 10 men in that battle today, is already punishment enough. But let's see, I don't know. We have to, we, we have to um, talk to the authorities.
1: Greg. Is Trent okay?
3: I hope so, he, he told me now he, has, he got a kick. And that's a pretty painful, um, but as far as he felt, it didn't twist or whatever, it was a kick. Um, yeah, and That's why we, we changed then, but um, um, I hope he will be fine. Chris?
4: if the
3: circumstances for to come on, did actually...? Yeah, I, horrible just <laughs> first game coming in uh and i think we saw Harvey's in a really good moment but Harvey came on as well in this game and it was running left and right and then the heart rate was 240 so probably and that's pretty much the same for Endo the two days he had no surprise so i did did absolutely all right but he came there had no clue uh what to do we, i spoke this morning with him about how he um in a with 11 players, how it position would look. 4-4-1 was not involved in our conversation, Um, and that's it now. I don't think he slept a lot in the last two nights, so he came on and threw everything on the pitch he had, and, um, yeah, that's it.
2: Jürgen, obviously you've had some changes this summer, some personnel changes, and presumably it will take time for your team to get where you want them to be, but are you quite pleased? With that in mind, are you quite pleased to
4: come out of this with four points from the two games, and
3: one very difficult away game, this was difficult, something you could to start today? Oh, I, I think it. that's the minimum what we should expect from these two games. We, we, When you have a look at it, it's not that I count games and think where we should win and where we, where we could maybe lose, but uh, when you start at Chelsea, I don't think that any team in the world goes just there and... and, and books the points in and says, OK, that's, we had them already, so having their appointment and then of course against Bournemouth, against any team, whatever, in the in a first home game you want to win, so that's an OK start, that's it. If you wouldn't have won, people would have <laughs> talked differently about it, but at least that is now fine, but um, we have obviously um, big games coming up, the next one, um, already waiting, and uh, that will be a tough one as well, so yeah. It's all right. It's all right, but now we have to to keep going, obviously. Last one with
2: Tomix. I like, starts home
3: debut, was a pretty good one. A home debut, yeah. The way was not too bad as well, to be honest. Yeah, but all right. Um, we had to hold him back a little bit. He was obviously the only one who really felt like he has power for more, um, and because we played that, he was part of the double six and running everywhere. I had to hold him back a little bit, but. The, the general like performance level he shows since he's is, here is, is really, really good, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And the involvement in the third goal is obviously super important. So, this kind of finishing, like his, his shooting skills, we didn't see yet properly, but he will, we will probably see that more often in the future. But he has a really good finish, and then the goalie can clear it, and then Jogo can score. So, yeah. It was a good one. Maka's home debut was was as impressive, to be honest. He's just not as long. No, that's a problem. But um, but that looked really good as well. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you.
0: The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel.
4: Steve Dawson on Liverpool's win at Anfield over Bournemouth, and what a strange game it was. That probably. Ended up the way you would have expected it to go in terms of the score. And and it was a justified result, I think, in the end. Lots of incident, all sorts of talking points, really. But the thing that stands out for me was the beginning of the game. This was, I think, the worst start to a Liverpool game by Liverpool that I can ever remember. And let's face it, we had some shocking opening moments last season, we went behind so many times in the previous campaign, and yet I haven't seen anything quite as scary as this, I mean really the most dreadful start, Trent Alexander-Arnold responsible for the, the first goal that Bourne must scored that was then disallowed, he was then responsible for the, the second time they put the ball into the net, and that one was allowed. In both cases, you could perhaps say that there were, there were other players that put him into, um, into difficulty. But just poor touch, poor concentration. I mean, just a, just a nasty way to, to begin the game from Trent. Even before that, Diogo Jota had given the ball away very carelessly. Diaz, the same. Alisson Becker... Um, almost got himself into trouble. And that came only moments after he was far too casual um, in possession. It it was just a shocking opening five or six minutes and really, really quite dreadful stuff. We've got to pull ourselves together at the beginning of the game. I had hoped that we'd got that out of our system last season. What it is, I'm not sure why why we start games this poorly. I mean, it it was the cause of us having such a, a dire campaign last year. We've just got to be, we've just got to concentrate and focus uh, in the in the early moments of the game. I, I really can't see what the excuse is for high quality players and um, outstanding professionals to be so. Lacking in concentration In the early moments of the game Thankfully, you know, we got dragged out of it Most penalty I have often thought that Even when he was banging them home On a very consistent basis That he wasn't far away from missing one And you know, the method that he takes, you know Sending it down the middle A little bit too often The big problem with these penalties is that Often they are at a very comfortable height For the goalkeeper And that was the reason that the keeper got Uh, behind the shot before Mo tucked away the rebound today. And that's now... He missed two, didn't he, towards the end of last season. And then there's this one today. It's going to be difficult taking penalties away from Mo Salah. But there are other players that... um, Jabozlai, for example, apparently takes a decent penalty. And, you know, it would be perhaps the time to think about changing things. Because... I don't think we can really afford to miss penalties, especially if we're going to start games as badly as we did on, on this occasion. Uh, great to see Diaz's strike. I mean, that was really quick feet, you know, flipping the ball up there. I'm not sure how intentional it was to just pop the ball up there in the first place, but having done so, my goodness, he was quick to send, send his leg over the top and um, make that connection with the ball decent goal really was excellent to see also good to see uh, Endo registered and on the bench and then to come on when we needed him after the sending off uh, by Chetich as well on the bench we now have um, some cover it may not be the desired cover but we have um, enough to tide us through I think between uh, now and whenever we can get a world class Permanent number six in there. There are still problems, aren't there? I think I I did come out of the Chelsea game optimistic. Um, even though we've got a three points here today, it's the very least you expect at home to Bournemouth, particularly what we did to them last season at Anfield. But there are clearly still issues that we need to iron out and um, a lot of that's going to be solved by dipping into the transfer market again, but we are running out of time. At Galisaki on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Important
5: win for Liverpool against Bournemouth to get the first three points on the board, and obviously they had to overcome some difficulties in the game as a really poor staff, from Liverpool being caught building up from the back, and then just as they were having some dominance within the game and looking like it was they were going to put on a a controlled front foot performance in the second half. Obviously, there was a red card which sort of changed how Liverpool then had to go about it and how dominant he could then be. So most important thing is obviously they got the three points. Now I just wanted to touch on the main talking point of the week, really, which has been the midfield. And I think it's really interesting this current situation with Liverpool in this midfield section of the pitch. Because I just wanted to to go through a little bit about different profiles in midfield and what Liverpool currently need. So what Liverpool currently need at this moment in time is more players who are capable or comfortable in the deeper areas of the pitch to be able to build the game up, which is essentially what the deepest player in midfield's job is. And as you can see, against Chelsea in particular, and for the vast majority of of last season, Liverpool struggled in terms of the build-up. Now, that isn't just down to individuals in the deeper area of the pitch, but it's also down to, and that's why football's a team sport, it's down to the coaching and the implementation of the overall, overall tactical plan, the overall combinations that are coached on a day-to-day basis to enable you to progress the ball under organised pressure. But right now, Liverpool are scarce of players who are capable of operating in that deeper area of the pitch and doing that particular job. And also being able to on the other side of the game when Liverpool don't have the ball to be able to protect Liverpool and be suited to be able to be to do that job essentially and the reason I say this is because Liverpool do have options in that deeper area of the pitch Alexis McAllister's obviously played there for Liverpool in the last two games and he's more than capable of playing in the deeper area to be honest I still think there's some question marks over if his best position would be higher or actually as a, a player in a two in the deepest area of the pitch it remains to be seen really but he's very comfortable on the ball and certainly a player who's capable of moving the team from the deepest area of the pitch to the mid midfield of the pitch, which essentially is what these kind of players, one of the, the skill sets they must need. And another player they've got in the squad who can obviously do that is Thiago Alcantara, who has even won a Champions League playing as part of a midfield two, as part of a, a deepest midfield two, in order to build the game. And let's be quite realistic about this, there's no one better of building the game in them deeper areas and progressing the ball, than Thiago. Unfortunately, is injured at the moment. Stefan Bejtjevic is a player who, I think only those inside the club know how suited he would be to certain roles, or just simply hasn't, haven't seen enough of him, really. So it's left Liverpool a little bit short, because as profiles work, players are more suited to play in different areas. Players are suited to you know, playing off pressure from one side, for example, if you're a wide player, or playing with your back to goal, or playing in a higher position if you're a midfield player. It's just naturally how you've progressed through the youth ranks and how you've developed your football and career. And I think that's the important part to make because this idea, when I speak to most people, of what Liverpool currently needs is they need a deeper player in midfield. Normally, people who I speak to refer to that as a number six. And the general consensus of that is that this player has to have certain qualities and then qualities are always normally listed as um, athleticism, being able to cover ground, being able to win duels, still being able to play obviously but a lot of the game a lot of the the qualities that we talk about relate to without the ball which is fine I don't disagree that Liverpool probably need a a player like that because they've got players who probably balance towards attacking sides of the game a little bit more and it probably would help Liverpool I agree but this idea that Liverpool cannot have success unless they have that kind of player within their 11 I think it's totally totally incorrect so I'll give you an example about this So when them traits that I've just described as the deeper player, the one that most people in the general public would sort of think you need in that area, these players are not normally the deepest player within the side at all. Now, when you think about the most successful deepest players of recent years, Sergio Busquets, Rodri for Manchester City, them players aren't great physical specimens. These players aren't magnificent athletes. They aren't magnificent at winning duels. But the magnificence in terms of cutting off gaps, being able to manage shorter distances because the team's organised and with the ball, obviously, they're absolutely outstanding. And let's look at last season. So, Liverpool had Fabinho, for example, who'd been one of the great holding or deepest lying midfield players in Wales football over the last few years. And very often, when I speak to people, people say, Oh, his legs are gone, he couldn't run anymore. And I couldn't disagree more. Fabinho just didn't wake up that summer after Liverpool nearly, nearly winning four trophies and so all of a sudden was not physically capable of playing at the level. Fabino had never been able to run, just like Busquets had never been able to run. And his partner, Thiago, who they barely lost the game in tandem together by the Champions League final game, they dominated and should never have lost, could also never run, never has been able to throughout his career. So with them players... In Liverpool's side last season Liverpool was still all over the place they were easy to play through they couldn't build up from the back so what are the reasons for that and the reasons for that is football's a team sport and it's a collective sport and unless you've got Leo Messi from time to time you can't have success with just one outstanding player you've got to be a collective unit and have elite patterns of coherence with and without the football and Liverpool didn't have that last season they were poorly coached and the players executed whatever the coaching plan was really poorly until the back end of the year when Liverpool changed system and were able to be more compact and more organised. Fabino and Thiago had always been brilliant at managing small distances throughout their career and that's what made them elite players within that role. Asked them to manage bigger distances when a team is unorganised without possession. And they couldn't do it. They simply couldn't do it. And there was ne- there's never an expectation that they, they would have been able to. They didn't wake up and couldn't run anymore. They've never been able to at the elite level. But what they've been able to do is they're so intelligent, they're so thoughtful in terms of how they are able to sense change and manage them smaller spaces, intercept, make sure they cut off passing lanes, all of these kind of elements. But they couldn't do that because Liverpool weren't coached well enough and didn't implement the plan well enough last season. And if that doesn't change this season, no matter what profile does Liverpool get within that midfield, they will struggle. They will struggle building up the game from the back if they haven't got players who are comfortable in that deepest area, receiving the ball and being able to play out of organised pressure. But most importantly, they won't be able to if the combinations and the patterns, the passing patterns, are not good enough to be able to escape that pressure either. So that's really important to note. Now, without the ball, Liverpool again are going to be able to be able to play through. They're going to be succumb to other sides if again the level of coaching is not good enough. Look at Newcastle. The difference between the level and implementation of the coaching last season between Newcastle and Liverpool, it was night and day. And Liverpool have struggled to finish above Newcastle again this season if they don't improve all of their aspects. And I just wanted to mention all of this because I think sometimes it's easy to say Liverpool need this kind of player, but I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, there's so many, if you look at Manchester City and the profiles they have, they don't necessarily have that player that we're talking about, that athletic um, stopper who smells danger, who's primarily concerned, I can't get my words out, is to play against the ball. But Barcelona never had that. Michael Carrick and Paul Scholes operated in a midfield two too for Manchester United and a great success. And again, this understanding of what a number six and inverted commas or a deepest player should look like. N'Golo Kante, for example, totally misprofiled. He was never a deepest player. Within his most successful periods playing for teams who had great success in Leicester and Chelsea, for example, he was a player who jumped without possession. He jumped from... The defensive side of the midfield to the next line of pressure, being able to exert pressure on the ball because he was such an athlete. Matic and Danny Drinkwater were the holding players; they were the fixed players in their positions. Same for Liverpool in the late two thousands when you think about Mascherano and Xavi Alonso. Often Mascherano is described as the defensive player, but it was Xavi Alonso was the deepest player. Mascherano again was the player who was most likely to vacate his position and and, and apply pressure. So if that's the case. There just needs to be a a a re-evaluating of the language used for the kind of player that most people think Liverpool need because Liverpool do have players who are able to build a game deeper but maybe the, the actual naming of what they need should be slightly different or the perception of what they need. So it'll be interesting in the next few weeks. Hopefully I've explained that as well as I possibly can.
0: You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.